of what's going on in the community around us. And so uh, I want you to know that's why I am doing that. There are several mayoral candidates that have reached out. I am not endorsing any of them, but I am engaging in the process because what I want to do is make sure that our city is set up on a hill, a city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. I want Chattanooga to be a model city where people can see not only the jobs, the revenue, the increase, the blessing, but they can see what it looks like for a city to come together and bring honor and glory to God. Can you say amen? And so God, there's a lot of work to do here, but I would love to hear what is on your heart. If you have a question for the candidates, I want you to send that to this um, number on the screen and uh, allow me the opportunity to represent you as we engage in this process. Everybody good with that? How many will pray for our city because they know Chattanooga needs it? I say, how many know Chattanooga needs prayer? So let's be praying for our city and let's be good stewards of the opportunities that God has given us. I want to do something today. I want you to take your Bible and open it to the book of Proverbs, the third chapter. And I just want to drop this word in your heart before we receive this morning's tithe and offering. If you're a first time guest, I need you to know that one time every year, we take up a first fruit offering on a Sunday. And I teach on that particular day about generosity and being a giver. This is that one Sunday. If a preacher talking about resources and giving and generosity and money bothers you, come back next week and we'll teach something else you might like or might offend you even more. I have no clue. But the reality of it is Jesus talked a lot about what we do with the resources he gave us. And while it is none of my business what you do with your resources, it is God's business what we all do with what we have. Because how many would agree God is the one that gave us what we have? If you don't know that yet, my prayer for you and your family is that you get such a revelation of kingdom generosity and kingdom provision that you wake up in the morning not saying, what am I going to do with my stuff? I pray you wake up in the morning and say, the Lord gave me the stuff I have. What am I going to do to steward it well? Because everyone in this house is a steward. Even those who own their home with their deed and title in their hand, that property your house is built on is the, is the Lord's. The whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't be offended with pastor. He's going to teach us the truth of God's word. And he's still my favorite pastor. Praise God. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Some of y'all need to lighten up. Okay. Proverbs chapter three. It's a joke. Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, Chad, I'm going to ask you to put 9 and 10 up. I told you 9, but I'm going to ask you to add 10 to that. And here's what I want to preach today. This is the thought that God dropped in my spirit when I was praying for this message and praying for you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I know y'all are tired of talking to your neighbor, but coronavirus kept you from talking to people for a year, so get over it. Let's talk. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. God ain't through blessing you. Okay, that was a six on a scale of one to ten. Look at the other neighbor. Let's try this better. Say to the other neighbor, neighbor, 
God ain't through blessing you. That's about an eight. We'll see. We'll see where we go. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Somebody say overflow. And Athens, I want to tell you, God ain't through blessing you either. And Chattanooga, God ain't through blessing you. And in 2021, I am praying and decreeing and declaring that this will be the greatest year for you and your family in the history of your family. And that when we cross over into 2022, we will look back in 2021 and we will see the handiwork of God blessing us in every area of our life. If you believe that with me, somebody give God praise all over this church. Lord, I thank you for the special grace you give to a pastor to teach on giving. I thank you, Lord, you will help me disarm those who are offended at the notion of a preacher talking about giving. Father, we need to hear truth. Everybody in the earth wants our money, but you are the one that gave it to us. So teach us how to steward what you have given well and break a spirit of stinginess off of religious people and give us a heart like you, O oh God, to be a generous believer and fund and finance and advance the purposes of God in the earth, I pray. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. You can be seated. I was doing some studying as I prepared for this today, and uh, I, I found myself reading a couple of different articles, and all of the articles had the word in it, average. The average person in the church gives. The average church receives. The average millennial gives. And, and I kept reading average over and over, and I, I thought to myself, we, the people of God here at Redemption to the Nations, have to make a decision if we're going to be average. The average church, in the average church, about 14% of its people truly tithe in the average church. The average Christian gives last year $614 on average to the church or to some charitable thing. It could have been the goodwill. You took a bag of clothes and you dropped it off, you said, that's my giving for the year. The, the, average, the average believer gave over just over $600 last year. And, and I'm reading this and I'm taking this in as I prepare for this. And uh, I, I said to myself, I think we have already decided we're not going to be average. Because we don't serve an average God. We don't serve an eh God. We don't serve a mediocre God. 
I believe I'm sitting in a room today with some people who look at their life and recognize you are at a place you don't deserve to be because the goodness of God has been demonstrated to you and your family. Is there hope and anticipation and expectation for more? Absolutely. But have we learned how to praise him and be faithful and content in the place we're in? I hope so. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I've learned how to be a base. I've learned how to abound. I've learned that in every season, it's in order to give thanks to God. And I'll share a little bit of our journey today because I felt like that's what God wanted to do. And, and, and I opened up to God in prayer this week and I said, Lord, I'll share that if it'll help the family. And I remember being 17 years old when I heard my first sermon on tithing. Today, I'm not going to talk so much about tithing. Today, I'm going to talk about generosity, but, but I'm, going to, I'm going to quickly address the subject of tithing because when it comes to giving and when it comes to generosity in our lives, there are primarily two ways that we can demonstrate that financially. One is through the tithe, one is through offering. And I remember being 17 years old before I heard my first sermon on tithing. I remembered my mom and dad who loved God and, and, and had been saved since the day my mom uh, was, became pregnant with me. They left the bar and they went to church and they never went back to the bar. And I told everybody I'm 41, but I've been in church 42 years because nine months before I was born, I was in church every time the doors were open, right? And, and uh, all my life, all my childhood, I was in church. And all my life, up till 17 years old, I heard great preaching, we had great services, we sang great songs about heaven, but nobody ever taught us about stewardship. 17 years old, I heard my first sermon on tithing and I got convicted and I went home. I was a young preacher. I was on my way to Lee University and I started preaching a little bit before I went to Lee, at Lee preached. And when I come out of Lee at 19 years old, I preached and Jeremy Hanrahan's here this morning and Jeremy, will testify this is true because he traveled with me those early years. We used to go all over the nation and for six, seven weeks at a time pack the Explorer up with clothes and all we did every night was preach. The year before I met Devin, I preached 270 nights in one year. It's not advisable at all. But when you're 20 years old and you got a lot of energy and no kids and you're not married, you just go holler and preach Jesus everywhere you go and revival breakout was incredible. And I remember... I remember starting to send my mom the offerings that were given in the, in the meetings back, and I would say, Mom, before you do anything else, before you pay a bill, before you do anything else, I want you to put 15% of whatever I send you into another account, and we're going to tithe, and we're going to give offering. And my mom, who had, like me, been in great church, sung great songs, heard great sermons, she would say to me, Kevin, she loved God with all of her heart, but she would say to me, Kevin, you can't afford to do that. And I would say back to mom, I can't afford not to do that. Because there is a principle in the kingdom of God that, that when you really believe it and you tap into it and you start living by that principle, it unlocks something in your life. And I learned at a very early age, either God will be my source or mammon will be my source, but both won't be my source. And today, what I hope the Spirit of God does in our hearts as we teach this just for a few minutes before we give tithe and offering this morning, I hope the Spirit of God disarms in some of us our dependency on mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is materialism. 
Mammon is the God of this world that, that, that wants you to believe that, that it supplies your need and it fulfills all of your desires. And there are people sitting in churches all across America who are serving and, and, and actually in bondage to the spirit of mammon. And the only way you can stay free from mammon is to make God the Lord of your life regarding your resources and never become greedy and addicted to the stuff and the materialism in this world. I want to say right up front, God has no problem with you having nice things. God has no problem with you having a nice car. God has no problem with you having a nice house. And, and when you start talking like this, people all of a sudden start acting like they're real passionate about helping the poor. And, and we should be help, passionate about helping the poor. And we are passionate about helping the poor. But many people who come to church and get offended when we teach on resources and they say that, that, that is the prosperity gospel, those people who talk about helping the poor and churches that don't help the poor, many people who criticize churches for being all about money, they themselves have not helped the poor one bit. I'm not getting any help today. If you're going to criticize people for not helping the poor, you should be very active in helping the poor. You should be very generous. And, and I'm thankful to belong to a church that not only receives income, but we distribute it across this city and literally around this region and literally around this world as we advance the purposes of Christ in the earth. Because how many would agree with me? It takes resources to advance the kingdom of God. And so, and so I remember saying to my mom, you, you have to, you have to, send my tithe check in and put this money in an account. I remember going to Maryland and I preached a, a, about a five-night revival and I got one of the largest checks at that time I'd ever been given. It was $1,500. And I went to a Western Union, cashed the, the, the check and I put the $1,500 in my pocket and I went to a camp meeting. How many remember Rod Parsley's camp meeting back in the day? Back in the 90s, it was absolutely fire. My head was on fire. But I sat on the back row of a Rod Parsley camp meeting and the Spirit of God, I was 19 years old, the Spirit of God said to me, empty your wallet into the offering and I rebuked the devil. I said, devil, get thee behind me. God said, I want you to empty your wallet in the offering and I want you to say, I want to ask you, do you trust me with your future? I trust you, but that's a lot of money to, like can we do half? Would that indicate trust at all? Can we just like trim it? You know, give me some gas money here. I mean, those say empty your wallet in the offering. I remember shaking my wallet until Lent fell out. And I remember calling my mom. She said, hey, we got some bills. Where's the check? Mom, I'll get back to you in a couple of days. And it wasn't long after that, just a few, few weeks Devin and I had already started talking about the future. And, you know, how many men in here understand, you know, you, when you, your wife has a certain level of living. So, it's like some of you men don't know what to say, but you're feeling me. I, I'm, I'm getting vibes here. And... 
we, we didn't have anything, but we knew we were supposed to get married. I had just given the whole check, shook it upside down. I didn't have a ring. I didn't have money for a honeymoon. What's a honeymoon? We're going to Gatlinburg, right? <laughs> I, I, didn't have, I didn't have a suit. She didn't have a dress. We didn't have anything. And I had given everything I had. And we went to a small church in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. And at the same time I was preaching that week, Devin's family had coincidentally taken a trip on vacation to Myrtle Beach the same week. So Devin and I actually got to go to church together every night during that revival. And that little church, the Spirit of God began to move. Demons began to get cast out. People began to get saved. Revival broke out. And I'm standing back there. This is back when we sold cassette tapes. Y'all don't know nothing. <laughs> Y'all don't know nothing about no cassette tapes, right? We sold cassette tapes and we had a duplicator and Devin was singing right before I preached. And then she would go do the duplication of the sermon that night, shaking hands and selling tapes because that's what an evangelist's wife does. Amen. And I will never forget that little church in one four-day revival gave us almost $12,000. And I remember him giving that to me, and he couldn't believe it was that big, and I certainly couldn't believe it was that big. Not only did they give us the largest offering we had ever received, because God knows the need. Not only did they give us the largest offering we ever received, there was also a man who walked up to us who gave me a card and said, when you two get married, I want to cater your wedding for free. People tell you that kind of stuff all the time. You're like, yeah, I heard that before. This man drove what looked like a food bus all the way from Myrtle Beach to Chattanooga and catered an entire wedding for 500 people and did not charge us one dime. And I learned something at 19 years old that I have never forgotten in all these years of serving him. Not that if I give some, he'll give me more. But if I sacrifice, I can trust him to take care of all my needs. <laughs> Giving is several things. It is not a tool to play with God or to preach through a manipulative lens to get people to give something. Giving is much deeper than that. Number one, if you're taking notes, just jot these three things down. Giving is worship. Giving is worship. When the Bible said honor your, the Lord with your possessions, that word honor is the Hebrew word barak, and it means to bow or 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 to to uh, pardon me. It's the it's the Hebrew word kabod, which means heavy, which causes things to bow or to bend. Kabod is where we got the idea of glory, right? But it's the idea of of heavy something heavy resting on your life, which makes you bend or bow over. When the Bible said honor God with your possessions, it's not just a transaction; it's an act of worship. When the wise men, and I'm in the New Testament here, when the wise men came in to the house where Mary and Joseph were taking care of the child Jesus. Now, I know that when we see the, 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 the stuff on the screen and, and, and we have the, 
We have the nativity scene. We see the three wise men coming and they bow down before Jesus in a manger. But read the text. Jesus was not in a manger when they came and found him finally. He was actually a young child because the Bible said they came into the house. They were no longer in a stable. They were now in a house because God had moved them to their home and the wise men found him in the home. When they came in, your Bible says this. The Bible said they bowed down and worshiped him and gave him frankincense, gold, and gold and myrrh. There was a connection in their giving of their possessions and the act of worship itself. When you give, you worship God. Worshiping God through giving is as much worship as lifting our hands or singing a song or clapping our hands or dancing on Sunday. Some of us want to sing and clap and dance, and we sing and clap and dance right through the giving moment because we don't want our giving to go to the place of sacrifice. Rarely is worship worship without sacrifice being involved. There's a story over in the book of Chronicles about a king named David who was given a piece of land to build a building on, and the Bible said he would not take the land and, and make it as a place where he would worship God because he said this, I will not offer God anything that costs me nothing. David understood the power of sacrifice. And, and when you give, and when you give and you feel it, leave your life on Sundays when you pay your tithe. How many can agree with me for those who are in, who are in this building who are tithers? You could think of something else to do with that 10%. Don't, end that. Don't act so spiritual. I mean, you know, there's some stuff you could do with that 10%. There's some shoes you wanted. There's some stuff you were looking at. And, 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 and there, there, was a, there was a phone plan with more data. And there was a newer phone. And you could have done a lot with that tithe. But instead of making that decision, you decide, Abba's worthy. And I'm giving this on this Sunday, not just out of a debt of obligation, but as an act of worship, he put it in my hands and I'm giving it back to the one who gave it to me. Listen, if you've never sacrificed in worship, you've never authentically, truly worshiped God deeply because true worship will always cost you and I something. And I'm telling you right now, when you feel something leave your life, come on, Abraham, talk to me. Take Isaac up on the hill. Take, take Isaac, your first and only born son, and I want you to sacrifice him and give him to me. Some people look at that and they say that is morbid, that is, a, that is a mean, evil God that would require that of Abraham. But read Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham was only willing to sacrifice Isaac because your Bible said in Hebrews 11, he had faith enough in God to believe that if he took Isaac and killed him, God was good enough to raise him back up again. That is where true people of God are found, not down in the valley with the donkeys and the do-nothings but up on top of the mountain when it's just you and God and you say, God, it's all I have. But if I give you all I have, I believe you're God enough to raise it back up and bless me with resurrection power. Amen. Giving is worship. Not only is giving worship, giving is an expression of trust. <laughs> You, you haven't really 
trusted God until you gave him something you needed for yourself. Now, I'm going to get some people who are real different with me right here, and that's okay. Just bear with me one Sunday. Let me get this out. When Devin and I, and I've told you stories before like this, but when Devin and I were young, 20 years old, just newly married, three months into our marriage, we unexpectedly, well, we didn't get pregnant. She unexpectedly got pregnant with Jeremiah. I say unexpectedly. We were doing all we can not to have a child. And we had one. And I was making, this is a true story, $21,000 a year. A year. And Jeremiah, told you this before a long time ago, Jeremiah had, we didn't know this, the first year of his life, he had seven kidney stones. Kidney stones in his kidney. And we didn't know why the, the, the young lad wouldn't keep food down. And so we took him to all these places. They said, we don't know. We don't know. Feed him another kind of formula. Feed him another kind. We fed that child every formula in the store. None of it kept down. He kept on getting sicker and sicker. Finally, we found a, a meal that he would eat called Nutramagen. How many ever heard of Nutramagen? You probably never heard of it because your child was able to take Similac and we're just fine. My child needed Nutramagen. It costs $70 a can. I'm like, is there gold in that powder? And you know, Jeremiah Wallace, he didn't want just a little bit of Nutramagen. Oh no, when he found out something he could eat, he was like, hook me up to the IV. I want that night and day. Devin and I, the child was literally eating us out of house and home. And I remember $21,000 a year. I remember saying, Devin, it's time to give the tithe. And I'm honestly telling you, I don't know how we're going to pay tithes and buy the food for our children, for our child. And some of y'all think that's drastic and crazy. Take care of your child. And I had to make a decision that I recognize some people in this room would not have made. And I don't fault anybody for it. But the decision we made is that are we going to trust Kevin and Devin to feed our child? Or am I going to trust God to feed my child? I know this is heavy, and it wasn't without tears and great consternation that I made that decision. This is the true story before heaven. We paid our tithes to Woodward Avenue Church of God that Sunday, and the next week, I came out on my porch when we lived on Woodlawn Circle in Athens, Tennessee. I came out on my porch that next week on a morning, and a crate. I'm not talking about a, a, a cardboard box of 10 cans of Nutramagen. A crate that was past my knees high. And y'all didn't get happy, but that's okay because you don't know nothing about Nutramagen. <laughs> and, and it was four feet wide, four feet wide, and about higher than my knee, and I screamed, Devin, get out here. Who put that on the front porch? She called everybody. She called her mama. She called her dad. Everybody we know that had money, we called them. 
None of them put the none of them put the, the formula on the front porch. And you to this day can't convince me that God didn't put a parachute on a platform of Neutramagen and fly it down to my house, drop it off at Woodlawn Circle, and y'all can take credit or you can think it was somebody else. I happen to believe that Jehovah Jireh is my provider and however he did it and whatever he did and whoever he used, I still have a thank you in my spirit on this Sunday morning for the faithfulness of God. Somebody needs to hear me tell you, you can trust God. Look at your neighbor telling you can trust God. And I hope I'm talking to some young people today. I hope I'm talking to some young people because one of the things I got real discouraged about reading in all these articles is that millennials give less than any other generation it said in the, in the church right now. I just believe this house ain't going to be full of average millennials that are going to get through the giving time and escape the offering time and not be generous. I believe God is raising up some young people who will say, my generation will not just invest in Bitcoin. They will not just uh, invest in all these apps. My generation will invest in the kingdom of God. If I ever find a cause worth giving to, I'll give everything I can to that cause. I'm challenging some young ladies and some young men in this house to be generous. I'm challenging some young families in this house. God will never ask you to give what you don't have. Now, he might ask you sometimes for what you want to keep, but he'll never ask you for what you don't have. Yes, and God wants you to know, I am telling you this, he wants you to know you can trust him. And sometimes that process of learning to trust in God is full of tears. Sometimes it's full of fear. Sometimes it's even full of worry. But I'm a living witness and there are many others in this room today that God has been faithful to take care of his children. Not only is giving worship, not only is giving an expression of trust. Giving is how you establish priorities. Matthew 6. Seek ye first. Seek first the kingdom. It didn't just say seek the kingdom. Because you don't need to just seek the kingdom any old way. Seek it first. Make the kingdom of God the centerpiece of your life. Don't get a job and build life around a job. Get a revelation of the kingdom and build life around the kingdom and the job you get will advance the kingdom of God in the earth. And when we say seek first the kingdom of God, many people think that I'm doing that. But if we took inventory of how we invest our time, our talent, our treasure, our temple, and our testimony, I wonder if we're really utilizing what God has given us for his glory and the advancing of his kingdom. There are two groups of people in this room today. People who build on the rock and people who build on the sand. 
I want to tell you some very, very um, real, perhaps even unwanted news. Storms come to both groups of people. Read the book in, in Luke chapter in Luke chapter 11. Storms come to both groups of people. People who build on the rock, people who build on the sand. And consequently, those who build on the rock are those who hear the sayings of Jesus and do them. And those who build on the sand are those who hear the sayings of Jesus and do not do them. Both groups hear Jesus. One does what he said and the other ignore his words. But both of them get storms. People who love God get the storms. People who trust God go through storms. People who worship Jesus go through bad seasons. The difference is if you build on the words of Jesus and you obey them and you put his kingdom first, when the storm passes, the house is still standing. Anybody in here today who can be a living testimony in this room and say, Pastor Kevin, my wife and I, our children, we have had some tough seasons, but we're still here. And we're here not because we never went through a storm, but because the foundation of kingdom living is a foundation that you can live your life up on. We've lost some loved ones. We've been betrayed. People have walked out on us. We had some bad days. Some things didn't work out like we thought, but we're still here with a praise and we're still here with a hallelujah because God is a faithful, good father. And what he started, he will finish. And the wind may blow and the rain may fall and the, and the clouds may gather. But at the end of the day, this too shall pass. God will resurrect his people out of the ashes of hopelessness and give them a future. It's, I feel like preaching right here. It's not over for somebody. The devil told you it was over, but the devil is a liar. God is getting ready to raise Job up out of his ashes. And the devil's going to wish he never messed with Job in the first place. Jesus, I feel my help coming on me. We go through some seasons. Brian, you better get up here. I didn't feel, I told him to take a break today, but I've changed my mind in the middle of my sermon. I feel like preaching now. I feel like someone is getting ready to come out of one season into another. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor with faith, neighbor, God ain't through blessing you. He's not through blessing your house. He, I feel the Lord getting on me here. He's not through blessing your children. He's not through blessing your marriage. He's not through blessing your physical body. He's healed you once. He'll heal you again. He brought you through once. He'll bring you through again. He provided once. He'll provide again. He gave you the job and the enemy's telling you he took it away. But if he ever took it away, it's because there's something better in store. I came to declare over you, he's not through blessing you. Oh. I want you to know right now that there are people who disagree with this word and they do not add their faith to it and they believe that the Christian walk is one of suffering, it's one of, it's one of defeat, it's one of doom and gloom and the only place we'll be happy is when we get to heaven. 
be happy over there, but I'm not waiting till I cross the line till I get happy. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He's not just the God that will usher me into heaven. He's the God that will open doors on this side and make a way where there seems to be no way. He's the... He's the God that will wake you up every morning and when you put your feet on the ground he'll give you a purpose he'll give you a strategy he'll give you a blessing he'll not only bless you he'll make you a blessing to many others I feel him I feel him and when you establish your life upon the principles of the kingdom of God something is activated in you that causes you to bounce back and recover. And I today wanna challenge every family in this house to to decide I'm going to be a giver and I'm going to live a generous life. And I'm not going to give to see what I get back. I'm going to give because I want to be a worshiper. I'm going to give because I want to tell God I trust you. And I want to give because I want to establish my life on kingdom principles that will cause me and my family to survive what seems like unsurvivable seasons. I want your story to be so filled with the blessing of God that when people hear it, they shake their head and say, that's hard to believe. There's only one explanation, but God. There's only one explanation, but God. wasn't the most likely to succeed. Didn't have all your ducks in a row. Came out of nowhere. Came from a long family tree, some of you did. Some of us did. People start asking, what kind of family did you come from? You conveniently run to the restroom because you don't want anybody to know the hell God brought you through. I just want to tell you that hell you came through is a part of glorifying Jesus. (laughs) Because there are some in this room today who have learned and trusted and believed God when they had nothing And now God has trusted them with much. And I'm going to say this to this house. I cannot teach or instruct the rest of the sheep in this area or region or what. But in this house, you and I are going to be very careful about how we dishonor people who have wealth and resources. Because you might judge them for all the stuff they have without recognizing the sacrifices they made. I've had the privilege to know a few 
wealthy people, every one of them, every one of them without question worked themselves nearly to death, sacrificing for their family before something significant transpired in their life. They were generous. And I want you to come into a place where this world, hear me please, and I'm wrapping up here. If this world is your system, if it's your hope, if your boss is your source, oh, take that one. If your boss is your source, you will live your entire life misunderstanding your identity on this earth as a citizen of the kingdom of God. My boss, your boss, is not my provider. He is merely, watch, a resource of the source. Which is why you can't panic when you lose your resource if the source is your source. Because if your source is the source, when your resource gives you a pink slip and backs up, you don't lose hope. You go to the source and tell them, I need a new resource because my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ. Has anybody in this room ever had God show you another plan that blew your mind and you thought plan A was the best, but plan B, which felt like B to you, was actually better than what you thought you lost? God's done it. Generosity is giving. And generosity is not necessarily about how much you give as it is what you give when you give. Because Jesus taught us something valuable in the Gospels. He stood in the temple at the altar looking at, this is crazy. He stood at the temple, Matthew's Gospel, at the altar watching people give their gifts. Don't get in my business. Jesus did. He's, how uncomfortable would it be <laughs> if the priest was standing at the altar when you gave? Say, hold on, let me see that envelope. <laughs> now, don't act like that wouldn't bother you. It would bother me. But Jesus was looking at the gifts. And he knew what everybody was giving. Look at your neighbor and tell them he knows. I'll never inspect it. I don't want to inspect it. It's not my business to inspect it. But there is a high priest who inspects the gift. And he knows what we put in that offering receiver every single Sunday. And what I find amazing about the economy of God is that God can look at all the people dropping Lots of resources in, but it's the widow with two mites who we still talk about to this day.
Was it that her amount was greater than everyone else's amount? No, it was that her sacrifice was greater than everyone else's sacrifice. Which tells me this about God. God is not as interested about what you give as he is about what you have left over. She had nothing left over. Well, what kind of crazy person gives all they have? Desperate, crazy people are not afraid to give him everything. And when you give, there are primarily two ways to give. Tithing and offering. Say tithing and offering. Tithing is real simple. I'm going to make this very simple for you. It's in the Bible. You say, Pastor, we don't, we don't believe in tithing. First of all, tell me why you don't believe in tithing. Is it because somebody else told you they don't believe in tithing? Because you can't say to me, I don't believe in tithing because it's under the law. Tithing was never under the law. Tithing happened hundreds of years before the law was ever given. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. He went and won a battle he wasn't supposed to win. And when he got the spoils, the Bible said he went to Melchizedek and said, I need to pay. I need to pay tithes to somebody. I need to be generous. It wasn't just for me that I obtained the victory. God blessed me with all of this, not only so I would be blessed, but so that I could be a blessing. And the, oh, I don't have time to go into Melchizedek, but Melchizedek was a priest. Uh, the Bible said Jesus was a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And what Melchizedek among other things represents is the purpose and the plan and the agenda of God on earth and when Abraham won the battle and he took the spoils he gave it to a priest the Bible said it was the priest of Salem Jerusalem it was the priest of God it was the purpose of God in the earth you and I should take what God blesses us with on earth and advance the purposes of God in the earth you will not take your money to heaven with you so do your living, do your giving while you're living so you'll be knowing where it's going. And he gave. Tithing is not law. Tithing is a matter of heart. So Abraham gave. What is the tithe? Very simply, tithing is 10%. Math. 100. God gives you $100 this week. $10 of it goes to him. God gives you 1000 this week, 100 of it goes to him. Notice I didn't say the church. The church is simply the vehicle that receives what belongs to God. The gift is given to God through the church. Because the church is the storehouse in your life, if this is your church. This is the storehouse that provides spiritual nourishment for you and your family. If this is the house that provides spiritual nourishment for you and your family, then it is appropriate that the resources God gives you, you reciprocate back to God and engage in advancing the kingdom of God through the local church. When should I give? According to the book of Leviticus, the tithe is given every time we have an increase. The should I, oh yeah, here's the greatest question ever. We get this like all the time. Should I give gross or net? My answer is always this simple. Do you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? I don't care. It's not up to me. It's up to you and God. 
I get all kind of questions about tithing. Will I go to hell if I don't tithe? No. You'll be miserable while you're on your way to heaven. <laughs> I think it's not an issue of salvation. You don't tithe to get saved. You tithe because you are saved. So tithing, listen to me very carefully, and I'm three minutes away. Tithing is entry-level Christian giving. Tithing is not where we stop. Tithing is where we start. And you say, Pastor, I'm not in a position to be able to tithe. I want to encourage you to get in a position to tithe. Here's where you start meddling. People are like, oh, God. 500 TV channels and you can't tithe? You pay $10 a month for HBO, $10 a month for Skinamax, I mean Cinemax. $10 a month for Hotel, I mean Showtime. I said it. Yeah. We got plenty of money most of the time. It's just our God. Who's going to be God in your life? Because when Verizon bills come due, we don't say, I don't feel like giving today. Pay the bill or they cut your phone off. God is much kinder. He'll let you go through life and live beneath what he intended for you to live in. And let you decide when you want to get your giving, generous heart together and make his kingdom first. Here's the beautiful thing about tithing, and I'm going to move to offering and be done. The beautiful thing about tithing is this. You can start it wherever you are. Devin and I tithed when we made $21,000 a year. Wherever you are in life, I just want you to be encouraged to start don't say, when I get to this level, I'm, you'll never get to that level. Because that level is locked up and released when we pass the trust test of being stewards of all that God has blessed us with. And if he can't bless me, if he can't trust me with $21,000, he's probably not able to trust me with lots and lots. Do you, most people who win the lottery go bankrupt. You know why? They did not grow into their wealth. So the first way you can be generous is in tithing every Sunday, but don't stop there. Give an offering, and once a year we do this. We call it first fruit. That's what today is. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but first fruit was an offering that the Israelites gave God. We're not Israelites, and we're not on their calendar, so I want to be very clear. What I'm talking about today is not an Old Testament practice. What I'm talking about today is a principle that Israel engaged in that God blessed in the Old Testament that I still believe he blesses in the, day, in the economy of grace. And it's this principle. If you will give God and I will give God an offering that worships him and demonstrates and reveals our trust for him before the final harvest comes, if we'll give the offering before the final harvest comes, the offering that we give to him before the final harvest comes 
is a faith seed that says to God, I'm bringing to you a portion of what you've already blessed me with to say, number one, first and foremost, thank you. When they brought a thanks, when they brought a first fruit offering to God, they brought two loaves of bread and they waved them before the Lord. They gave it to the priest and the priest waved the bread. It would look crazy, wouldn't it? Come on, if I come in here every Sunday and picked up bread and started waving. Y'all would be like, put, get the phone out. Put this on social media right now, right? We'd be talking crazy. But bread to the Old Testament Israelite is like income to you and I. They were agriculturalists. They were farmers. When, he said, when it says they brought the bread, literally, here's what happened. At the end of the days of unleavened bread, the, 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 the Israelite would go out into the field and pick one sheaf of barley. One sheaf. Take that one sheaf to the priest. And from the moment he put that one sheaf of barley in the hand of the priest, from that moment, 49 days later, the clock started. And between that day he put the sheaf in the hand of the priest, they would go back to their field and they would take a harvest portion and they would take the, the wheat and the barley, grind it up, and they would make two loaves of bread. And 50 days after that initial sheaf was given, they would take the two loaves back to the priest and the priest would wave the, the loaves before the Lord. And here's what they were saying. You gave us the sheaf and you gave us the, uh, the harvest we needed for these two loaves and now we're trusting you. We're trusting you and we're worshiping you. See, here's what it was. One loaf was a loaf of thanks for what he'd already done. But that worship is incomplete unless you wave that other loaf with it and that other loaf represents what he's going to do. <laughs> Every time I give an offering, it's a thank you for all you've done. Thank you for the seed we have. Thank you for the blessings you've given. But I also want to wave an offering in thanks for what you're going to do and that the best is yet to come. Come on, look at your neighbor. We're getting ready to go. But look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, God's not through blessing you. I wish you would be believe it when you said it one more time. God is not through blessing you. I want someone to know in their 60s and 70s, God is not through blessing you. You say, Pastor, I live on a fixed income. The government fixed it, but God's about to bless it. And when God blesses it, I'm telling you, Uncle Sam ain't your source. Somebody's breaking through into a revelation today that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. If Elijah can be sustained at a brook and then go to the house of a widowed woman of Zarephath and in the middle of a famine she made him a cake. God blessed the prophet and God blessed the widow and I'm telling you today God ain't through blessing you. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And I'm here today to wave my hands and to wave my offering. With one hand, I wave it to say thank you. Thank you for every time you've made a way. 
thank you for the job that I have. Thank you for the increase on my family. Thank you for the ways you've opened doors in my past. But I'm full of faith and trust today that if you've done it before, you'll do it again. And I want to worship you, God, not just for all you've done. I need about 500 people to start waving your hands and thank him for what he's getting ready to do. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's been faithful. Woo! He's been faithful. Anybody living in a house you don't deserve to be living in, he's been faithful. Anybody got a job you're not educated enough to have, he's been faithful. But is anybody expecting that 2021 is going to be a blessing, the kind of blessing you don't have room enough to receive? I know this is too much for some of you, but if somebody would just start waving their hands, thanking him and worshiping him for what he's done, but praising him in advance for the harvest that is on the way. It's on the way. Oh, God, I feel something happening in here. I feel like somebody's coming out of a mentality of lack. Somebody's coming out of a dependency upon the nation. This nation was never my source. This nation will never be enough to supply your need. But somebody today is lifting their eyes to the God who promised to put food on the table. He promised to put clothes on your back. God will supply your needs. We worship you. Today, there's something crazy about this. When they offered the two loaves on first fruit offering, that day of first fruit offering is also the day historically when the Jews ate the fruit of the promised land for the very first time. Don't miss it. On first fruit day, when they gave their first fruit offering to the priest and he waved it before God. That was the same day in Jewish history when they ate the fruit of the promised land for the very first time. Look at somebody and tell your neighbor and say, neighbor, we've been in Egypt long enough. I wish somebody would believe what I'm saying. Some of you have been in Egypt long enough. I declare today that you're going to get ready to taste the fruit of the promised land. The good things of heaven are yours. The Bible said that the obedient shall eat the good of the land. Not only was it the day that the Jewish people ate fruit from the promised land for the first time, but the day that they gave the offering of first fruit is also historically the day when Haman hung himself I feel like preaching here Haman hung himself on his own gallows and I just felt like I needed to tell a couple of families in here the enemy has, a, has forged and wielded weapons to try to destroy your house but the very weapon that the enemy has made to destroy you it is about to backfire on the enemy God is able to take weapons that were formed against you and instead of your destruction God said he's going to destroy your enemies I believe that God is able to give victory to the people of God if you believe in shout amen not only was that Dave 
the day that they ate the fruit and the day that Haman hung himself on his own gallows. But the day they gave the, day they gave the first fruit offering was the day that the ark of Noah landed on the mountain of Ararat. Uh-huh. That doesn't sound like much until you look into the word Ararat. And Ararat means the place where the curse was reversed. Lord, I'm getting ready to bless myself. I'm telling you, on the day they gave the offering of first fruit, it was the day that the curse was reversed. And I want to praise God today for the blood of Jesus that broke every curse over you and I, broke every family curse, broke every poverty curse, broke every mentality that tells you that your God can't do it. That thing is broken today, and I'm telling you, you're coming not into a curse, but into the blessing of the Lord. I decree by faith. The Bible said Jacob leaned on his staff and blessed his children. Today I lean on the word of God and I bless your house and I declare over your house you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Somebody wave if he's ever blessed you. Somebody wave if you believe he's going to bless you again. God's not through blessing you. I want you to take your tithe and your offering in your hand. If you're giving online or giving through your phone, through text or whatever, you can lift that up too. Many of you have a first fruit envelope. This is the day we set aside every year to simply say to God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the business deals you helped me make. Thank you for the increase on my life. Thank you for the doors that you open. Thank you. Anybody got a reason to be thankful today? Yes, that's why we have an offering in our hand. Part of this offering is to say thank you. But does anybody have faith to believe? Does anybody have expectation to believe that in this year of 2021, you are going to put your trust and your hope in the living God, in the promises of his word, and you're going to see the supernatural blessing of God rest upon you and your house. I'm not just talking about more money because blessing is not just about money. When you get blessed, everything attached to you experiences the favor of God. If you got any expectation and hope for the future, lift your other hand up beside it. I want you. Tobin, Jojo, come help me. I don't know what we're going to sing, but I want to sing something of worship unto God. And I want every person who's giving a first fruit and a tithe today to get your offering and your gift ready. With one hand, we come thanking him. With the other hand, we come trusting him. And we're leaving this place today, believing that this seed, some of you are sowing sacrificially today. You feel this seed leaving your life. There are things you could have done with this seed. There are places you could have put this money. There are things you could have bought with these resources. But instead of it, you have prioritized the kingdom. And you're going to see in supernatural ways. You ever read that scripture that said, They that go forth bearing precious seed, even through tears, shall doubtless come again, bringing sheaves with them. They went out with seed and with tears, but they came back with joy and with sheaves. Some of you are getting ready to have a home. 
I'm telling you this, a home, you're getting ready to have a house. I hear this, a house. This is a season where land and houses are coming to the people of God. I'm not just saying this, I'm telling you. God wants his people to inherit the earth. Yes, I declare it in the name of Jesus. I declare supernatural inherit, Lord, inheritance and resources that they were not expecting. And we will advance your kingdom with the blessing of heaven as it falls on our life. May the gold of Egypt never become the idol of the people. May the blessing never become the object of our pursuit. May our heart always be after your face and not simply your hand. Hallelujah. Just worship him a moment. We're going to give in just a second, but just worship him. Thank him. Thank him for his faithfulness and declare your trust. My source is not this earth. My source is not this earth. My source is not this economic system of America that has been sabotaged by a one world government in many ways. My source is the kingdom of God and the God of the kingdom is supplying. I feel the kingdom breaking out in this room right now. I wanna read this scripture before we give. The Bible said that when they brought the offering, they came to the priest with the offering in their hand. And this is what God told them to say as they gave. Listen to this. My father was a Syrian, the, the, the Jewish people. And, and I recognize we're not Jewish, but I want you to make the connection of what they're saying when they say this. And you and I and our story. Listen to this. When they give the offering, verse number five, Deuteronomy 26. You shall say before the Lord your God, my father was a Syrian about to perish. And he went down to Egypt and dwelt there few in number. And there he became a great nation, great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord our God, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and looked upon our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And with an outstretched arm, with great terror and signs and wonders, and he brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which you, O oh Lord, have given me. And then they made their offering. Don't miss the connection. They opened their mouth and said before the priest, as they stood in the presence of God, we don't deserve to be standing here. We are only here in this land of blessing because of the provision of God. My father was a Syrian. The Egyptians afflicted us. We had nothing, and now we're a nation unto God. I know we're not Israelites, but we are the people of God. And I can testify like those Israelites of old, I had nothing. I came out of bondage. We're only standing here today because of the faithfulness of our God. And it is in that reality that we now give our offering. And I want those of you who are going to give with an envelope to come out of your seat and worship as you come. And whatever they sing after you get through giving, I want to pray a blessing over you and we're going to be released. I want you to come and give right now. God bless you as you give. Tithe and the first fruit. We bring that offering to God today. 
saying thank you for your blessing and we're trusting you for your blessing on this coming year. Jesus, we thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Jesus. May the Lord's favor be upon you. May the Lord's favor be upon you. Come trusting him. If you're giving through app or online, may the blessing of the Lord be upon you now. Jesus, come on, worshipers. Somebody receive this favor on your house. Hallelujah. We worship him. Somebody give him a wave offering today as you give. Come on. Jesus. Thank you. Somebody receive favor over your house. Come on.
lifted. I want to bless you now. Lord, I pray these hands that are lifted would experience the divine favor and kindness of God that everything pertaining to our lives that we put these hands to do would be holy and blessed. May these hands be be prosperous and may what you have called us to manage be multiplied. May what you have given us to steward be increased for your glory. Jesus. May the blessings you bestow on us, your people, not be about personal consumption only, but more importantly about being a blessing to our generation. I pray over our people today that like you did for Israel in Exodus, that despite what is happening in the world around us, our cattle would be blessed. Our fields would be blessed. Our children would be protected. Our marriages would be kept in the grace of God. I pray for every assignment that is on them and every purpose in their life to be guarded and we would be good stewards of every opportunity that you give us in 2021. Father, I thank you that you're already telling me, God, you're going to shut some doors only because you have other doors of opportunity that are going to be given. And I pray that instead of panicking, we would be praising for what you shut is a yes and an amen because we believe and expect that the greater door shall be open to the glory of God. And I declare today that families are coming into a blessing of grace and strength that the tension and the tumult and the, and the stress is coming to an end. I release rest over families now. If your family needs the blessing of strength and rest, lift your hands and receive it now. Father, I declare all of the chaos comes to an end. Just invite the Holy Spirit in because I feel like a spirit of rest and strength is coming on your life today, on your whole house, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every, every enemy warring against you, I declare now that the hand of God is drying up the hand of the enemy's resources. The enemy had his own resources used against you, but those resources are drying up and the increase of God is coming to the people of God today. The enemy's plans will be brought to naught. For I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying in this day, I am drawing a line, circling my own, says the Spirit of grace. And I have declared that while I am come to save the whole world, I will preserve my people. For, thy, for I am their light, and they will never stand in the darkness, saith the Lord.
and the spirit of grace says that a spirit of confusion is broken over your life today for I am not the author of your confusion says the Lord for I am the God of light and in me in me says the Lord is truth and I am revealing it now for the spirit of God says I'm giving you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you set your heart to know me I will reveal myself to you says the spirit of grace to the church and God says I'm giving deeper revelation of Christ in this moment because Christ is the center of it all and I'm taking you into the waters of of my love and mercy and to the deep places of my spirit for I will carry you there says the Lord in grace and the Lord says, while others drown and perish in sorrow and in fear, not you, says the Spirit of God. Your river will not be one of fear. Your river will be one of joy, says the Lord. For my people shall know my joy. Everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. And everlasting joy will be upon them, says the Lord. I declare this day that a blessing of joy comes upon every house. The peace of God rests upon you now, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Mind, body, soul, and spirit kept by the power of God. 2021, we give it now to you, O God, and thank you in advance for your blessing that will rest upon it. In Jesus' name, now let's give him praise all over this room. All over this room. I wish you would praise him for the kind of year you want. If it's just going to be a maybe make it year, then this is okay. But if this is going to be a year that God does something good, measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over for you, I want you to praise Him because you know He's good, and because you know He's faithful, and because you know He's a God who will keep His promise to a thousand generations. Come on, Jojo, sing it one more time. May His favor be upon you. You this morning. Let's go. 
that one more time. May his favor be upon you. So listen, remember, there are three ways to give. You can give online at rtdn.church. You can give on our app, Redemption to the Nations Download app. the app. Yeah. You can go to that Give tab. You can give in this First Fruits offering. Or, I mean, you can even text to give. You can actually text 423-200-4933. You can text GIVE to that number. And you can be a part of this First Fruits offering. Listen, you don't want to miss out. There is so much God has in store for you this year and I believe this is just the start. This is just the start of 2021 and I'm so excited to see where God ha God is taking you wherever you're watching from. We're praying for you here. We're, we're, we're cheering you on here. We're celebrating with you here and we're so excited to see what the rest of 2020 looks like for you. Hey, we love you guys. We love you guys. Hey, we Thank will you see for being you here, here next week. You.